Amen. You may be seated. You can take your mask off. Ah, oh, it's good to see real people. It's so good. I just want to call you all by name. Um, maybe I will. Good to have you. Those who are watching online, great to have you. Uh, we began a series last week called Victorious God, Winning in the Unseen Realm. And uh, if you're with us last week, we talked about just the big idea of, of we are in a spiritual conflict. There's really uh, angels and demons and principalities in that to be a follower of Jesus is to be uh, in ministry with Jesus, breaking in a kingdom of darkness. And so when that happens, there's going to be warfare. And the Bible does speak about three levels of warfare. We talked about them last week if you're with us. Uh, and the third level... Uh, that we talked about was uh, Christians having demons and the tool that Jesus used and commissions us to use of deliverance. And so because this is new, uh, not in Scripture, but new to some of us and maybe the emphasis, I said last week, we're going to do a whole sermon on this topic. So that's today. It should be an easy one. Um, but the way I want to walk through our time together uh, is, uh, you can see it on the screen here, is I want to first just tell you my own journey uh, through this level of spiritual conflict. I want to share my testimony of what the Lord has done in my life. Uh, and then what I want to do is I want to use my journey as a template for the rest of our time, okay? So that's kind of where we're going. We're going to uh, look at questions and objections, Christians and demonization, inroads and symptoms, getting free through deliverance. So that's where we're going. Got a lot to cover. Uh, so let me pray. All right? All right. Jesus, I just thank you so much that, oh Lord, as we just sang, you are king and we can sing hallelujah. Uh, Lord, you have defeated all of our enemies. And I just thank you, God, that you are here. I thank you, Jesus, for the way you showed us how to engage with our enemy that you are victorious over. And you've shown us how to access the, the power and the presence of God. Your word says we have everything to live our life for godliness. And uh, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that as I teach and share my story, that you would just bring peace. And I ask for your presence and Lord, I just want to speak in your authority as the pastor of this church, and I want to command all demons that may want to confuse or bring any distractions to mind, I just want to command them to be still, and they cannot in Jesus' name. And Lord, I, just, I, just, I pray that we would be hungry to listen and that we would want to see your word open up. And so, Lord, just give us a lot of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let me just begin with my journey. So around three years ago, I was in Toronto at a conference uh, with Norm and Westside, and we were doing a conference, uh, actually one of the first um, conferences around church planning over in Toronto. And there was a pastor there that when he taught, uh, he said something that really stuck out to me. He talked about an encounter he had with Jesus where Jesus, like, he felt like he really walked into his office and he began to just unravel things in his life. And he just had this beautiful encounter with Jesus. And so um, I thought, I, 
I want to ask him about that because I was in a season in my life where I wanted to learn how to hear God's voice and he talked a lot about it and he was so solid theologically. I'm like, this is the guy I want to talk to. And so I approach him after and, uh, you know, very funny. He's like, Jesus told me you were going to talk to me. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And uh, so we go to the back of this church and yeah, I just, I just share like, this is my hunger. This is why I want to talk to you. And, um, and so we talked a little bit, and then he said to me, James, I have a spiritual gift called discernment of spirits, and is there, if, are you okay if I share something with you that might not seem comfortable at first? I'm like, yeah, of course, man, like, you know, pastor to pastor. He's like, um, you have demons. And I was like, what? Okay, just so you know, this was the first time I'd ever heard a sentence like that to me. And so I, I do what most good Bible teachers and pastors do, is I just go, that's impossible. Like, I, I was ready to leave because um, I was like, no, I was so close. <laughs> and, um, and then he said, you have sexual spirits and they visit you at night. And he was right. And so I'm going to get a little vulnerable with you. But ever since I was a kid, about six years old, I have had uh, strange erotic uh, thoughts that would bombard my head. I would have all growing up like these strange encounters where I would be woken up in the middle of the night almost filled with so much sexual lust that I thought I, thought, I knew it was an attack. Um, I would be in worship services or in church and I would get sexual thoughts like this constantly. And I remember, I remember at one time like being at a beach and I felt like it was torment. I couldn't go anywhere. And I could hear things. So he's talking to me, and the Lord is bringing to mind my whole life. And so at this point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep listening. But I got so much theological issues. I'm like, first of all, how can light dwell with darkness? So he just opens his Bible, and he, he answers for me. And then I'm like, how can a Christian have a demon because the Holy Spirit's in them? And, and you know, like, what about possession? And he just opens the Bible with me and just shows me, shows me, shows me. And so... I, I, this is like two hours, and I just said to him, okay, like, because I'm still not convinced. I'm, I can see the Bible, and I'm like, I can see that that's there. That's new for me. I'm like, you know, you get those revelations. You're like, how come I haven't seen that? And then I say, say to him, uh, can you just get rid of them? He's like, yeah, I can, but the Holy Spirit's telling me that I, I don't have the freedom to do that right now. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I'm getting the sense that they're in your family and you need to just go and, and do that. So I'm in Toronto. So I happen to be in Toronto where my brother lives. So I'm having, I'm having like, you know, a, going out to dinner with him that night. And I'm like, bro, I got the weirdest conversation you and I will ever have. And I said, this is what just happened to me. And I said, are you, can I ask you questions? Like, I'm like, has, have you, has this ever been your experience? And uh, he then shares with me something happened to him, um, a, a kind of abuse that was the same time that all these sexual thoughts were happening to me at the age of six. And then I'm like, hmm, I don't connect them right away. So I go fly back to Vancouver, you know, I tell all the elders, everything that I've ever struggled with, every elder and pastor has known about. And so they would, they know my struggle, they would pray over me and, and, um, and ministry just kind of kept going. I didn't really do anything about it. I shared it with a few people, and, but I would keep getting these nighttime visitations, and I have to fight them off. And, and um, so fast forward October, 
this last October, uh, the Lord tells me through Scripture that uh, these attacks and this constant pull that I have from demons um, are related to something that I, that I need to give up in my life, a substance I need to give up. So I, I give that up. And uh, right after I give that up, I don't know if some of you were in the congregation, you kind of noticed things shift a little bit. After I gave that up, I began to like pray differently. I began to hear God's voice differently. One time I remember uh, I was prepping a sermon, I don't know if you remember this, and the Lord said, there's, there's, when you read this verse, there are people in the church who will not believe this verse, and the reason they won't believe it is because they have demons lying to them and I want you to cast them out. I heard that while prepping. I'm like, this is crazy. If you were in the congregation that day, it was a powerful Sunday, I actually said out loud, some of you heard this, and, and if it's you, please stand up. And they stood up, and, and I just said, we kicked out those lying spirits, and someone got healed. I mean, it was incredible that morning. And so things were happening all along that time. I, I'm walking into this. This is really new for me. Uh, and so I start reading everything I can, from J.I. Packer to Sam Storms on Christians and demons and, and demonization. And I'm reading everything by Charles Kraft. I'm just, I'm trying to learn this stuff. At this point in the ministry, uh, Jenny's here, we would be like having times of prayer and we would encounter people who were being tormented by demons. I'm like, this is just new for me. And so we'd be praying and like, you know, it's fun. But then February 9th, I'm invited to a soul care conference. This is like a, a conference on how to you know, uh, deal with wounds in your heart and how to forgive. And it's really a, a conference for pastors. And one of the sessions was on deliverance. And I, I knew all the theology around it. I knew I could, uh, I wasn't comfortable teaching it to the shore quite yet, but I'm just kind of going there. And um, one of the things he does, so he taught everything I remember. One of the things he said is he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to now, First John 4 says, test the spirits to see if they're from God. And I always, everyone knows that text means demonic spirits, but I grew up in a church where you mostly taught, test the spirits to see if they're from God, meaning test to see if, if what you're hearing is truth or lie. Like, is this from God or not? But he says, no, the context is really clear. He's saying there's stuff happening in their worship services that are, that are sourced from demons, and you got to test the spirits. And I'm like, okay, that's there. So he's like, what we're going to do is I'm going to, the Holy Spirit led me to do a test, and I'm going to ask biblical questions that are in Scripture, like 1 Corinthians 12. And he said, the, the rule is, is in the kingdom of God, uh, when pressed before Jesus, the demons will have to present themselves. Because the Bible says, test the spirits, which means the test will happen, which means Jesus will force the demon to give a false answer. I'm like, this is weird, right? You guys are listening to me right now. I'm like, I'm thinking that too. So this is my journey. But I'm already there. Like, theologically, I'm like, I know, I see this stuff on Sundays. So I'm all in. And I'm just, you know, in my life right now in February, I'm, I'm experiencing the presence of God. My prayer life is growing. I'm like the happiest I've ever been as a Christian. And so I'm like, I don't have demons, but I'm in. I want to learn from this guy. Let's go. So I'm praying. And uh, what he does is he says, now the spirit that Jesus draws to attention come to attention. And so if it's just the Holy Spirit in you, you'll, you'll hear the right answers. But if you have a demon, it'll respond. So I'm like, whatever, let's try this. So we're all praying. And he, he asked the question, is Jesus Christ the Lord? And I hear yes. I'm like, but I hear like, yes. Like I'm high-fiving Jesus. I'm like, yes. And then I hear, did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? I'm like, yes. Uh, Do you honor the blood of the Lord Jesus? Yes. Is it through faith in Christ alone that we can be saved? 
Yes. Do you testify that this person is a child of God through faith in Christ Jesus? Yes. Then he asked this question, what is your purpose in this person? Now, I wouldn't make this up, and I would never say this publicly if this wasn't true. I hear what feels like in my kidneys. I hear in a different voice, I hear steal and kill. And I'm like, no way. And I heard it. And at that point, I look around, and like Jill's there, Brandon's there, just praying. I'm like, I'm like, oh my, oh my, I'm, I'm praying, like, I really heard that. But I wasn't afraid. I was like, let's do this. And so after, the pastor's like, okay, so here's what you should have heard. Like, he, the answer is yes, yes, yes. What is your purpose in this person? If it's the spirit, you heard love, care, joy. Uh, and, but he's like, if you heard, you know, things like murder, destruction, steal or kill, you got a demon and we'll kick it out. And I'm like, what? So then he says, um, I, you know, if you're a pastor here, I want to do your deliverance. So I'm like, Thank you, like, thank you that I'm a pastor today. So I, I go up there, and, and sure, like, for about eight people before my turn, I'm watching him just lovingly, graciously. It's just, it's nothing weird, but just bringing these spirits, they, they, they do attention, they get their name, just like Jesus did. I'll teach, it, I'll teach on this in a second. And they kicked him out. And then it was my turn, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm not going, if this isn't real, I'm not faking it. But I did hear steal and kill. So he asked me a few questions. He's like, you know, what's your name? What church do you go to? Um, and he said, do you have any, like, addiction in your family? And I said, well, my, bro- my dad um, has had depression in the past. And, uh, and he, he said to me, have you been any sexual abuse or anything like that? And I said, well, my brother experienced some things. And he said, yeah. And uh, he's like, more than likely, uh, that abuse that happened to him came into your family, and that's why you went through what you went through. Because I told him a little bit about what happened to me in the nighttime visitations. And he said, we'll kick him out. That's okay. So I'm like, okay, let's go. So he brings the spirit to attention, and um, he says, spirit of attention, what is your name? Just like Jesus did. And uh, I hear nothing, right? But I'm not going anywhere because I heard steal and kill. So I'm like, I'm not getting anything. He's like, that's okay. He's like, spirit of attention, uh, I command you in Jesus' name, what is your name? I hear the word Cindy, weird word. I'm like, I'm hearing Cindy. He's like, that's not the demon's name. He's like, demon, are you a blocking spirit? I'm like, this is so weird. And I hear yes. I'm like, okay, I hear yes. And he's like, Cindy, I, I bind you to this, the demon above you. What is your name? I hear the name Incubus, which is a sexual leader spirit in the sexual abuse spirits. Uh, so I say the name. He's like, yep, that's the name. He's like, okay. He's like, do you see any grounds? Do you have any grounds? And I'm like, like reasons to stay there. I'll teach on this in a second. I hear yes. So I'm like, no. And he's like, okay, spirit of incubus, I command you to step aside. He's like, James, do you have anything unconfessed, anything sexual unconfessed? And 10 minutes before this, this moment, I had a memory of something in high school that the Lord showed me this girl was being sexually abused. And I said, for some reason I had this memory. I think I got it. So I brought it to Jesus, didn't say it out loud, brings the demon back and says, do you see any gates, windows, portals open? I'm like, I hear no. And he's like, I command you to go where Jesus sends you. I feel something leave, okay? That was weird. But, but then uh, he's like, do you have a leader above you before he kicked it out? I hear yes. Is the leader perversion? I hear yes. So he brings perversion to attention, and I would not make this up. It felt, I can't explain this to you, and some of you who have who've had this before, you'll know exactly what it feels. Um, I felt like there were like feathers flickering in my body 
or smoke burrowing, and I could feel this thing, and I'm so thankful because sometimes when I'm doing this with others, I, I doubt that this is all true, but I remember it was just like fluttering, and I could feel something trying to choke me, and he's walking through. Do you have any grounds? I hear no. I bind all those underneath you to you. Do you have any, any gates, windows, or open that'll cause you to return? I hear no. And then he's like, I command you to go where Jesus sends you. You get out. And I can feel this thing leave. And then he just does the test over me. I actually hear the voice of the Lord say, I really love you and I care for you. And I got up, and sure, I would not make this up. I got up, and for about two minutes, it felt like I was like empty. Like it felt like I was floating. I even walked like this. It felt like, I can't explain it to you, but it felt like my skin was smiling. And look right at me. I haven't had any nighttime visitation since. The pool is completely gone. I can go to, be, I remember being at the pool and I'm going like, Nikki, this is really real. Like I, I'm completely free. Like I'm completely free. And for that many years, I thought it was me. For that many years, I thought I was a broken pervert and this was just the bent of my sin nature. I had no theology that this could even be there. But it's completely different. I'm completely free. Yes, there's times of temptation here and there, but it is not like I'd ever experienced. So, with that, I'm going to use that template and I'm going to now teach the Bible for my testimony, okay? So that's where we're going. So, let me begin with... Objections, questions I had. First, let me say this. I had a misunderstanding of the word possession. Okay, so let me, let me just first, you know, bring some clarification. There is no such thing in the Bible as demon possession in the way we think about it. Okay, so when we think possession, we think ownership, like I possess my car. Well, in the first century, possession, they didn't really own things that way. They were just more shared. Um, they, they, they had certain things, which is the language of the Bible. The actual Greek word for that English translators translate possession is the word demonized. Um, and it simply means to have or be subject to the influence of a of a demon. So Luke 4:33 says having the spirit of an of an unclean demon. So so really clear, don't think possession like ownership or you know like the stereotypical like movies you watch of like you know like the little girl like climbing like a spider on the web or out of a TV. Don't think like that. Um, it's the word means inhabited space. The idea being demons can exercise direct partial influence over an area or areas of a believer's life. So really important, Satan and demons cannot own anyone, okay, believer or unbeliever. By virtue of God being the creator, he owns them. So he owns not only every human being, but he owns every demon because he made them. But the Bible does say in Colossians that we are born under the reign of darkness, so until Jesus comes and he transfers you to the kingdom of his son, but that's not ownership. Okay, so if you're a Christian, okay, if you're a Christian, you're a child of God. You're, you're double-owned, you're bought, you're adopted, you're a citizen of heaven by his blood, his spirit's in you. You cannot be possessed. You cannot have ownership, okay? Second question I had was how can the Holy Spirit and a demon live in, live in a person? Right? This is the most common objection that comes to our minds. How can light dwell with darkness, right? Are you guys with me? So that's a, that's a very good question, and it keeps us from actually exploring it. So let me, a, let me answer this 
in this way, okay? Even you on YouTube, how many of you have been walking with Jesus for more than a year or even a long time? Raise a show of hands. You've been walking with Jesus for a long time, okay? Do you still have sin in your life, yes or no? Y- yes, right? If you say no, First John says you're a liar. Uh, me too. So if we're saying, well, light and darkness can't dwell together, the answer is it always does in your heart. Again, I've used this analogy, but think of your soul like a suitcase, okay? That suitcase belongs to Jesus. So the spirit's in you. You're adopted. You're bought. You're heaven-bound. You're, you're getting brighter. The Holy Spirit's leading you. Jesus is loving you. Philippians says, he who began a good work's going to complete it. But what else is in there? Think about your soul like a suitcase. What else is in there? Lots of stuff. Stuff Jesus is bringing up, things he wants to transform in us. There's the old self in there. There's sin in there, our flesh. Some of us have secrets that we've never shared that are dark. We have hidden sin. Let me ask you this question. Is that darkness? Yes. So Jesus is not defiled by the sin in our heart or by a foothold of a demon that has found an inroad, okay? In fact, I know as a pastor, I've been pastoring for 16 years, there are a lot of God's loved children who aren't willing to look at dark parts in their souls. They're not, and Jesus doesn't leave them. He loves them. He loves you where you are. But he's going to shine on that area He's going to shine on that wound, that that bitterness, because he loves you, and he walks with us gently, but it doesn't wig him out. It doesn't make him leave. It doesn't make him not present tomorrow in your time with the Lord. God's not nervous. You're his, and eventually he will lead you to say, okay, God, I think I'm ready. Let's go there. Let's deal with this, okay? Lastly, on this objection that light can't, you know, be with darkness— Let me ask you this question. Where does Satan show up in the book of Job? Where? In in the throne room of God. Right? If you've ever read 1 Kings 22, you're like, what is happening? There seems to be a council of demons, angels, God, and Satan all having a big meeting. They're all dwelling together. By the way, Jesus is omnipresent. He's always with darkness. He's not threatened by evil in any way. He's not even all threatened by evil. Uh, he's victorious God. He's an omnipresent being. He was always present around the enemy. Jesus was present and faced demons, and he was never nervous. So, so James, can't we just use words like demons can be on or around and not in? My answer is you can, but it is semantics, meaning this. Demons, are, they're not spatial beings. They're spiritual, personal, evil beings that look for open doors. They're, they're always by Jesus being driven out. Uh, they're inhabitors. And so if it does help you, though, as you journey, because remember, I want to say this really clear. This was a two-year, three-year journey for me. So if this is the first time you're hearing it, you're like where I was in that classroom, a little shocked, okay? But let me say this. Here's what one pastor says, and I think it's helpful. He, he says this, rather than thinking about the demonic spirit inside of a person— or occupying a corner of their soul. Think of the spirit as outside of the person, but draped over the person's back and hanging on, slowing the person down and creating spiritual bondage for them. They need someone to come and get that monkey off their back. They need someone to come and with the power of God, set them free. So here's my point. My point is 
all agree, every Christian in every camp agrees that born-again children of God can be oppressed, tormented, hear voices, be bombarded with unwanted emotions, thoughts, mentally assaulted. And what I am saying is the tool of the kingdom that Jesus did, gave his disciples to do, and we're called to continue when it comes to this third level of spiritual warfare is deliverance. When Jesus gave authority to the 12 and to the 72, he told them to go out, proclaim the gospel, and deliver, cast out demons. So let me say it this way. We can't counsel demons out. Jesus says, with demons, we cast them out. No demon is going to be listening to your pastor or your therapist and go, wow, that's a really good truth. We should leave. No, they're inhabitors. They need to be told to go. They want to stay. They need to be commanded out. And so, connected to this, let me show you, I believe, and I want to teach you from the Bible, that Jesus only did deliverance with believers. Okay, I want to show you that. So, here's an example. Luke 13, 16, Jesus encounters a woman who's bent over uh, double by a demon for 18 years. You can see this on the screen. Uh, And Jesus calls her a daughter of Abraham. So he calls her a daughter of Abraham. And when Jesus called someone a daughter or a son of Abraham, he meant that they were believers. You can see this in Jesus' uh, response to believing Zacchaeus. He says, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. So the question is, you know, well, was she a believer? The Bible says she glorified God immediately about, upon being delivered. Usually Christians do that. Um, so you, here's one thing that's really important to remember in Jesus' time. There were no Christians yet. In Jesus' day, there were only those who were covenant people and non-covenant people. And so when Jesus does deliverance, they are God-fearing Jews. They're God-fearing Gentiles. In Mark 1, after spending time with the Father, it says this, and he went throughout all of Galilee, so that's a, that's a God-fearing territory, preaching in their churches, synagogues, and casting out demons within and with believing people. Moreover, um, you know, whether it's Mark 5 or Matthew 12, when Jesus is doing deliverance ministry, he's doing it with God-fearing Jews. In Luke 11... Jesus makes a really strong statement to the Pharisees about who their father is. And one of the things Jesus says, I think he actually says you should not do deliverance with unbelievers. Let me show you this. So Luke 11, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. Notice they are inhabitants. And when it comes, watch this, it finds the house swept and put in order. But then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So what is he saying? Think with me. First of all, it's a good picture that your soul is like a house. But if your house is swept clean from the demonic, so if, you, so if a demon is commanded out, but the Spirit of God is not dwelling there. He just said that the strong man binds and cleans the house and stays there. You are, in fact, if you're, you are, in fact, not sealed off from more demons coming and making it a lot worse. 
So I think it's important to not do deliverance on people who don't have the Holy Spirit. I won't do deliverance on non-Christians because if I do, it might be a lot worse for them in the future. I would also argue with others that if demons were cast out upon conversion, think about this with me. So let's say you have stuff and there's foothold. You become a Christian. If they're cast out upon conversion, then Jesus and his disciples would never have to do deliverance. They would just only need to convert people. Okay, then you get to the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is full of deliverance ministry with believers. So Ananias and Sapphira, they're Christians. They're believers in the church. And the Bible says Satan filled, this is spatial language, got in their heart. Acts 8, Philip encounters other believers. Acts 13, Acts 16, Acts 19. I don't have time to go all through this because I have so much content. But in Acts 19, these are believers who are burning the witchcraft books, right? They're burning the witchcraft after they've been saved. And interestingly, it says God was working through Paul. And the one way Jesus was continuing to reign was Acts 19, 12, and the evil spirits came out of them. So furthermore, 1 John, this is the one that I walked through with my testimony, says the test the spirits to see if they're from God. So he's not saying, you know, uh, test the spirits in your pagan neighbors, He's saying, test the spirits within your church. You're worshiping, and not everything that's coming out and everything that's being prophesied needs to be tested because not all of its source is, but that's happening in the church. Let me give you another verse. This will be on the screen as well. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, test the spirits. Same context. So Corinth, like North Vancouver, is a pagan society. The people were uh, syncretistic. They worshiped many false idols. You can read about that in chapter 10 where they're actually worshiping demons in, in some of their practices. But here's what he writes, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. I want you to know that no one who is speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So here's what he's saying. If you are seeing manifestations in your church services, in your house homes, that are demonic, that's because you still need deliverance. I don't think it's unreasonable for him to make that point. Furthermore, it, he doesn't, it doesn't end there. There is abundant church historical. I'm going as fast as I can. I'm so sorry. You can ask all the questions you want, and we'll slow down if you'd like. But uh, there's also abundant church historical evidence showing how normative it was for Jesus and his disciples and the early church to do deliverance within the church. So you have writings. I'll show you this. You have writings uh, from Justin Martyr, from Det- Tatian, I can't say it right, Tertullian, Origen, one of these documents right here, uh, it was called the Apostolic Tradition, and what they would do is if, they, if someone was born again, they were new believers, they would uh, passionately teach them the Bible, they would talk about spiritual disciplines and godliness, and right before their baptisms, they would do deliverance, like it's all documented. They would kick out the demons and then baptize them, right after they were, after they were saved. Okay, so... Let me say this really important before we move to the next section. Nowhere in the Bible does it say deliverance has ended. So Jesus did it. He gave authority for the disciples to do it. The early church did it. Nowhere does it say it's ended or spiritual gifts have ended with the apostles. But here's, here's what happens. People take their experience to the Bible to put pieces together to fit their experience. Everyone does that. But it's important that I say that because those who teach deliverance is no longer needed don't do it from the scripture. 
So, and I would ask them, where did all the demons go? Right? Like, where did they go? Did they go to, like, Africa? They're all just in one continent? And has the demons' tactic changed? Are they stop, do they stop inhabiting? No. Again, this is a two-year process for me. I know I'm just coming at But let me show you a verse in your Bible. It's the Great Commission. This is basically where Jesus says, I'm going to send you now to continue what I did. And in Mark 16, we read this. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will, what does it say? Does it say they will counsel out demons? What does it say? Mina. Cast. They will cast out. That is spoken authority from Jesus. And what does Jesus say in Matthew 28? All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples. This was a part of the disciples would have understood how Jesus lived his life, included deliverance. Lastly, let me just say uh, experience talks, meaning this. Uh, these are real people's journeys. Next week, Christy Duga is going to share her testimony. But um, I have seen too many people who deeply love Jesus. We did a, a deliverance of a pastor uh, two weeks ago, as I was one, who deeply loved Jesus, and I've seen them get free. I mean, like, really free. Um, I'll share more as we go. Okay, so if that's some of the teaching, let's ask the question, how does someone become demonized? How do you, how, what are the inroads to demonization, okay? By the way, Jesus never blamed anyone for having demons. That's really important. The enemy uses shame so that you never say anything about what you're going through. One author made this comment, and I think this is on the screen by Ed Murphy. Most, so those who have demonic spirits, most are able to maintain a somewhat normal life. They usually realize, however, that something is wrong with them. Though they seldom suspect they are suffering from demonization, many are very sincere Christians. Many are spirit-filled Christians, yet they are bound by unexplainable fears, confusion, uncontrollable emotions, and other disturbing phenomena. All right. So I'm going to use the word inroads. I think it's the best word to use or access, okay? So, so here's the big principles. <laughs> I love all your faces. What? Okay. Demons cannot live in a person without something to feed on. That's the big principle. Something always will be in the person that gives the demons ground or a right to be there. Um, one, one, I think, best analogy I've heard is think about rats and garbage. So if rats are like demons, if there's garbage in your life, undealt with, unconfessed, not in the light, the rats can chew and, and eat. But if you deal with the garbage, uh, the, rats will, the rats have nothing to eat and they get weakened and then you can kick out the rats. Some people say, let's just go kick out the rats and then deal with the garbage. The rats will just come back. So you deal with the, the, the grounds, okay? So, so what are the grounds? Okay, the big umbrella. You still with me, YouTube? I think, okay, good. Um, 
the big umbrella is sin. Now, I'm not talking like the everyday stuff, like, you know, someone cuts you off and you're like, you know, that's what you do. Some people go a lot more than err. Or, you know, you're having a bad day as your parent. No, I'm talking about darker, usually repeated, unconfessed, undealt with sin. So this is not like a moment of lust, um, but this is like this giving over and over and hidden and indulging and waiting till everyone's in bed and then you just feast and feast and continuous sin. That can be an inroad. More specific, one of the biggest inroads is sexual sin. Okay, let me say it this way. There is a spiritual component to our sexuality that even the Bible describes marriage union as spiritually becoming what? One. That's why 1 Corinthians 5 and 1 Corinthians 6 talks about you become one with the prostitute. In the unseen realm, that's a uniting. I don't know how this works, but sexual impurity is a major inroad for demonic influence. Demons can be transferred through sexual intercourse, especially if it's unwanted. Related, sometimes demons can enter through abuse, emotional, physical, sexual abuse. Many times people who commit acts of violence and of abuse, they have demonic spirits. Especially, uh, we've seen molestation and incest always comes into the victim, and it's not fair. Satan's not fair. I don't know how and why that all works. But they're, they're predatorial. So sexual abuse is one major inroad. It's very heartbreaking. Other people need deliverance because they've engaged in occult activity. So, so people who practice witchcraft, uh, occult activity, Satan is a wide door. I mean, that is, there's a lot there. Whether it's Freemasonry, whether it's even experiencing with witchcraft or Ouija boards, sometimes they can get in through there. Some de- demonic issues are often passed through generation. So these generational spirits, you can read about them actually in Deuteronomy, but they often enslave families to certain sin patterns, like abuse and anger and addiction. Um, Demons, by the way, they love to destroy families. They love to counterfeit God's beautiful designs and destruct and destroy uh, God's household. Bitterness, unforgiveness are demonic inroads. Uh, So let me just say this. Okay, before I lose all of you, never assume, this will be helpful, never assume the problems are simply in one realm. Okay, so look right at me. We are body, soul, and spirit. First uh, Thessalonians 5.23, may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless. So it's not uncommon for us as pastors, as those who are, who are walking in this ministry right now, to talk to someone who's complaining about a physical issue like a splitting headache or back issues and what they will soon reveal to us is how deeply that she or he hates themselves and has hated themselves for years they actually tell themselves pretty hurtful things they're always angry it's not uncommon for us to hear just how much bitterness you know someone may have towards their spouse their parents and how often they feel so guilty for their past, and they play it over and over and over. And it's all connected, but here's what happens in ministry. We stop there. So we stop there, and we look for truths and lies, and we, and we do good counseling, and we help people walk in fresh identity. But that's body, soul. What it's missing is spirit. Here's what I've found. Some of that garbage isn't just her. 
It's not just human. If Ephesians 6 is true, which we said it was last week, and the Bible says her wrestle's not just human, but she's now being, as it's coming into the light, confronted that she is a spiritual being and she is given spiritual access, agreeing to many lies. And so with some of that undealt wealth, undealt with pain, she's living under the influence of demons of death, very common. I see the spirit of death in a lot of deliverances, hate, rejection, guilt, they're there. In fact, let me say this, every time I've confronted a demon of suicide, that's its function, um, which often it comes with sexual abuse, the person, so this happened two weeks ago, the person actually feels a loss of a friend. So, so this pastor, and he told me I could share this, he flew back when, when the demon, when he heard suicide, we brought suicide up, he flew back and he started weeping. Like, un, I've never seen a grown man weep so uncontrollably and he said out loud, the demon doesn't want to leave. He's been my friend for 25 years. And I said to him, tell him he's not your friend. And he's weeping and he says, you're not my friend. And we kicked it out, but he had to cry. Listen, listen, they are personal beings. They, you feel like they're you. They give false comfort, they lie to you, they comfort you with darkness, and then they fillet you emotionally and make you feel like God doesn't love you, just like an online predator. Okay, so here are some questions. You guys okay? Here are some questions I'll ask to help me discern whether the problem could be spiritual. I've borrowed lots of these. Um, so here's some of them. They'll be on the screen. When was the last time, uh, when was the last thought of self-hate you've had? That's a big question. Of self-hate. And then you want to ask what was the nature of it. I'll ask questions like, is there addiction in your family tree? Because this is evil. Like, is there a history of abuse? That's demonic. Was there physical, sexual, or emotional abuse? Um, when was your earliest sexual erotic thought? Just so you know, like when, when, when boys and girls hit puberty in around eight or nine, for them to be curious, that's normal. I'm talking like six years old, five years old, stuff that they should not be thinking. Um, more, more questions? Next slide. Or is that it? Are there any mental hospitalizations, suicides or suicide attempts in the family? Where does violence come into your life? Is there a lot of depression and su suicidal ideation? Has there been occult activity, witchcraft, ancestor worship, or religious practices? These are just questions that are really helpful to ask. And look right at me again. Remember, we're loving people. This is not about like teaching a theology or class. These are real family members. These are real friends. These are real people in ministry. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And what did he do? Read the gospels. What did he do? He healed the sick and delivered them. These are real people. Jesus doesn't want his children to have demons. And deliverance is in the Bible as our tool that Jesus gives us to help people get free. Jesus never stopped or told us to stop using deliverance. So, so here are some possible symptoms or indicators you, you might have this level of spiritual warfare. Okay, some people hear voices. 
So teenagers, this is important for you because they usually come when you're young. If you hear voices or you'll have images that come into your mind and they don't feel like your own, you just go, that was not from me. You, you feel that way. Often they're blasphemous thoughts towards family members and blasphemous thoughts towards God. They're hurtful. They're condemning. Some people with demonic spirits will experience rage. They'll actually go from zero to 100 very fast. And it doesn't make any sense. They just have this rage bursts. Um, many people who have demonic spirits, they feel, and they'll actually use these words, they feel tortured or tormented. They'll actually say out loud, I feel like I'm being tormented. Um, sexual spirits, like my experience, they victimize people repeatedly. You'll wake up at 2 a.m. fully charged, like something's trying to be active with you. Others experience dripping, condemning thoughts. Every day, it's just a drip. You're worthless. You are nobody. Everyone thinks you're stupid. You'll just hear that. And you won't even know. You'll just think this is you. But drips, that's, a, that's not from Jesus. That's not from you. You might have a demon. Um, and let me say this. This is really key. These people have read every gospel book they can on identity. These people have pleaded in prayer, have memorized Romans 8, have sing every morning, I am a child of God and still need the tool of the kingdom Jesus showed us was a part of our discipleship. Deliverance. One guy I talked to who did his deliverance, he said to me, I've been to every purity conference, I've read every gospel-centered book on lust, and I still could not get free. Here's a big one, suicidal thoughts, okay? If you've ever had a suicidal thought, and I'm not talking like, you know, you're having like a rough day, and you're like, oh, I just want Jesus to come back, right? That's normal. I'm talking like you're on Highway 1, you're on like, you know, the upper levels, and you hear drive into the oncoming traffic or, or drive into a tree. That's not from God. Let me just say one word of caution, okay? I don't think we should have a goal to go looking for demons. That's not in the Bible. Meaning this, don't first assume demons are behind much of our pain. That's not the goal. When someone comes to you and they're hurting, it's not, it don't first go, don't do that. Some of that stuff is emotional. Your goal should be to hear God and bring the person you're praying for into the presence of Jesus with prayer and scripture so that Jesus heals them. And Jack Deere says, and if a demon is behind the pain, it'll usually have to reveal itself in the presence and the power of Jesus. So most of the symptoms that I just explained are actually coming out because Jesus is getting brighter in you. Let me say this. Never leave, however, a counseling session where you maybe suspect that there's something else going on because Ephesians 6 is true for every human being who's a follower of Jesus especially. Ask the question, do you think this could be spiritual? Just ask them. And what will happen, I promise you, when you ask that question, the Holy Spirit will bring to mind events, weird awakenings, stuff that they've experienced that they've never talked about. And they'll be like, well, when you ask that, this memory came to mind. And then you know. Jesus will always highlight evil. He loves to convict sin. He loves to bring light on the enemy. He never wants to let them hide. This is what one pastor said, and it broke my heart, and I, and I will 
I will now live this way. He says, it's cosmic treason to have the tool of deliverance and never use it when, when, when we're called to. Lastly, okay, we're the body of Christ. Um, the, the Lord has given people in our body the spiritual gift of discernment of spirits. So if you're like, I don't know, this is happening, find out someone who's got the spiritual gift of discernment of spirits. You can email me and I'll, I'll hook you up with someone and just meet with them. They'll usually know right away. Okay, so how do you get rid of them? How are we doing for time? Doesn't matter. We'll keep going. Jesus, here's the answer. We're almost done. How do you get rid of them? The answer is Jesus does it through deliverance. Again, we're talking about the third level. Next week, we'll talk about the armor of God. How do you get rid of demonic attack from the outside? You resist the devil. He flees. There's ways we do. I'm talking the third level. Jesus does it through deliverance. Okay, so we carry Jesus' authority Remember, it's not a tug of war, it's a chain of command. And, we, and as he used words, so we need to tell them to leave. But here's the key. The person needs to be willing to want to get free. You can never deliver a demon from someone who's unwilling to open the past wounds or events where the demon has grounds to stay. So... In summary, the way to get rid of a demon is you have to break the ground. Let me say that again. You have to break the ground. Whatever is giving the enemy a stronghold, a place to inhabit, ground to firmly hold, you have to break that. They stay when ground is present. So the principle is this. Whatever door or or inroad or access, if it was sexual abuse, if it was whatever it is, whatever the garbage is the rats are feeding on, it needs to come to Jesus. That's the principle. It needs to come into the light. Um, That person needs to break the grounds by sharing out loud the pain. They need to bring the wound. They need to actually share what happened. They need to confess. They need to talk to their spouse. They need to, there can't be any unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin is grounds. But as soon as you bring that into the light and your confessions are current, the grounds are broken. Um, secrets, there's another one, create ground. I'll be really quick on this one. You can ask me more in the Q&A. Uh, a secret may come from an abuser. So an abuser will say, keep this a secret. That's a ground. You need to break that spoken ground. Also, sometimes grounds are secrets the person doesn't even know about. So one deliverance, uh, there was a sexual abuse spirit named abuser, um, and it said it had ground. So we, I've been doing deliverance with this person for six-week sessions, like six weeks of counseling, and then the last one we were doing deliverance, and we brought the sexual abuse spirit to attention, and it wouldn't leave. And I was like, I've never done this. This is so weird. Why won't you go? And I'm like, what are your grounds? And wouldn't give it to me, and I said, is it a secret? And she hears yes. So I'm like, and I hear the Holy Spirit say it's with her mom. So I'm like, a demon is it with her mom she hears yes and I say is it unconfessed sin and she hears partially confess so I just said demon I command you to step aside I bound you you be still until Jesus kicks you out you can't affect her in any way and I said person the name of the person who I want to share I said you need to go talk to your mom it's with your mom you heard that and and just share your story and see what God does so we prayed uh, three days later, she, her mom and her have this conversation. They've never talked about anything deep. And her mom actually confesses that she, had, she was sexually abused as a girl, and she's never told anyone. And, and that daughter got to, 
bring her mom and do like soul care with her mom and that mom got to share that with Jesus and they were covered in the blood and she just prayed over her and the Lord ministered to her. Next week we brought the demon out, kicked it out, it was gone. So that's a secret. Um, actually I talked to her on Thursday, I called her up because she lives out east and um, she's like, I've never been happier. She, she just, you know, she had tried to commit suicide five times uh, from last September to December, met with me in January, we went through six weeks. She's like, I haven't had a suicidal thought since. I'm completely free. She's actually teaching this at her, at her church. Okay. Uh, last, lastly, curses. This one's interesting. This is if you've been connected to anything of the occult. Sometimes a child is dedicated to a false religion. That's book, the book of Deuteronomy talks about blessings and curses. Um, sometimes curses can be hurtful things that have been said over you. So like a parent said something over you and you play it every single day, you got to break that. That's simply all you do is say in Jesus' name we break that because Jesus has authority. Once the ground is broken and dealt with, this could take some weeks of loving and counseling and listening and, and, and doing biblical counseling, showing the person how deeply loved they are by Jesus. Then you just do what Jesus did. And I'll explain more of this in the Q&A, but... But he would often get their name, that's Mark 5, 9, and then he would prohibit the spirit from manifesting. He would bind them together, that's Mark 1, Matthew 17, Mark 9, and then he would kick them out. And that's what we do. Do you have any grounds? We deal with it. Is there any reason to come back? By the way, we've, we've already dealt with the grounds because you often do counseling, so they're usually not grounds. We know, we know they're just weakened and done and Jesus is going to kick them out. And then we just tell them to go where Jesus sends them. Jesus sends demons into the pigs, to the abyss. I don't know where he's going to send them, so I just say, you go where Jesus tells you to go. And they go. And it's amazing. And when we do this, here's my favorite thing. The Holy Spirit will come on that person afterwards in such a powerful way, and they will share with that person. And oftentimes that person has never heard the voice of God. They will share with that person how much they are loved and how the Father's always been with them. And you'll just, you get these beautiful ways of the way that Jesus frees people. All right? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to respond now. And we're going we're gonna to stand together. So will you stand? And we're going to sing. And this song we're about to sing, uh, just, it really does speak that those that Jesus sets free, they are free indeed. And that we are children of God. And I, and I just encourage you. I know some of these questions this is, was, might be in your mind. But if, but if uh, just go into Jesus' presence right now as we sing. Because as we go into a time of where you're rustling, I know you're not closed um, to this. But you might have a, kind of something might be heavy on you. Just bring that to Jesus first. Before we get into the Q, I'm going to call it Q&R, question and response, because I don't have all the answers. Um, but just bring stuff to Jesus while we're singing. If there's any uneasiness that you're feeling, just tell him, uh, I don't know about this, or I, I need to ask about where's this in the Bible, or that kind of thing, okay? So we'll sing, and then we'll, uh, we'll go into a time of Q&R. Let me pray. So Father, I just, I thank you for this time. I Lord, I know it's been long, but I ask Jesus that you would bless this, and I pray, uh, Lord, as we, as we sing now, I just, I pray that you would fill us, Holy Spirit, that we would experience 
the truths of these words. And I thank you, God, that you are a God who does begin a good work and you'll continue it. And you're a God who gets us free. And not all the problems we have are just mental or emotional. We saw when you came that so much of it was spiritual. And I want to thank you, Jesus, because I've experienced your love like this. I've never felt more loved than I do. And I just, I thank you that you saw that. And you were always with me every single night I was attacked. Your presence was there helping. I thank you that you finally brought me to a place where you told those tormentors to leave. And I just, I am excited to sing this song because I can sing it with real experience. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray, and then we'll just Q&R. So Holy Spirit, I really ask for your help. God, I thank you that all of these questions are coming from hearts that you really, really love. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that as I answer them, or seek to answer them, that I would answer them with deep love for this person. And so, God, I just... I just pray for your grace now. So we just, again, to speak against the enemy in Jesus' name, we just command all spirits that may be present or confusing or misinterpreting what I'm saying, just pray they'd be mute in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we've never done this before, so I'm kind of giddy and happy. Uh... Okay, great. Why would I need deliverance if ultimately the Holy Spirit lives in me and God is victorious? Uh, I, I feel like I answered that question, but I'll maybe I'll summarize my answer. Uh, the Holy Spirit's in you uh, in the same way the Holy Spirit's in you if you have sin in your life, and it needs, it needs to be brought to Jesus. So Jesus has given us ministry in Scripture, and the ministry, if you have sin in your life, is confession. And that's the Holy Spirit. He's leading you to confess your sin and, and, and bring sin into the light. And it's covered. By the way, when you confess your sin, 1 John says it's covered by the blood of Jesus. And then if there is a demonic spirit through an inroad, even if an unwanted inroad, Jesus gave us the ministry of deliverance to cast it out. And so there's d- different means of grace that Scripture gives us. It, you still have the Holy Spirit, uh, he's not wigged out. He's present in you. There's sometimes, even if you have the Holy Spirit, that you won't confess. But he doesn't leave you. He's still victorious. Has Jesus died for that sin? Yes. Have you confessed it? No. So in one sense, you're forgiven. In the other sense, it's still there and needs the blood of Jesus. So same with deliverance. You have the Holy Spirit in you, uh, many people, I think, will, will die, and they might have had demons, and they're gone. But you're going to heaven. You have the Holy Spirit. You're sealed. God's vic- God has already given you victory, but the way to access that victory is through the body of Christ, through deliverance. It's not like we don't have victory. He's shown us. My victory is my authority, and I disarmed the rulers and principalities and put them to open shame. And now the church, just like you need prayer, Sometimes you need deliverance. So it's a ministry of the body of Christ. It's the ministry of grace. So it, 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 it shouldn't, does that make sense? I hope that helps. Okay, if it doesn't help, you can email me. Next question. That was it. No more questions. Thank, okay. Is there such thing as being ready for deliverance? Yes. 
first of all, awareness that some of the stuff going on in your life isn't human, and you know it's been with you, and it's not you. That's one beginning. And then the next is you need to get in any area of your life. Again, we're body, soul, and spirit. So if you know there's something bugging you, you get with a friend, and you share with them what's going on. Um, That is getting ready. The way to be ready is to bring everything into the light and to, to actually tell Jesus you're ready and actually ask Jesus to help you get ready and ask him to bring people into your life if you know you want to get ready for deliverance. I would say if you're unwilling to open the suitcase of your soul, if, you, if there's stuff that you're not willing to share with anyone, stuff done to you, stuff said about you, then you, you, before you can do it, you need to get ready. So one gal, just a quick story, she had something her dad said over her life that has haunted her. And I said, I think before we do anything, you need to go share that with your dad. And she had, that was terrifying to her. She shared it with her dad. She was excited. She was like, I'm getting, I'm getting these demons out. Um, and her dad actually forgot that he'd ever said that. And they got to reconcile years of pain she lived under. And he asked, he asked her for forgiveness. And it was beautiful. And so that's being ready. Yeah. Hope that helps. Q&R. These are just responses is deliverance a spiritual gift for someone or capability of the Holy Spirit accessible to all Christians? Really good question. The answer is yes to the second part. I believe that God has given the church everything we need to go up against all kinds of, you know, living the Christian life. We're going to experience warfare. So there is in the body of Christ, I think, two spiritual gifts, intercessory prayer, um, also the discernment of spirits is helpful, but I think every Christian has the authority of Jesus in them and can do deliverance. Are the, is every Christian called to this ministry? No, because not all of us have, you know, the same gift set and wiring, but is every Christian given the authority to do it? Yes. And so more likely down the road at the shore, we'll do a class on how to do deliverance and I'll I'll kind of walk people through uh, how we do it, how I do it. Um, but yeah, I think every Christian should be able to, because if you're in a situation with someone and let's say you're going to only see them for three days and then you're flying away and you know they've been showing stuff, you have the authority and you should always ask Jesus. So here's the thing. Never go looking for demons. Let Jesus bring that person to you. And oftentimes you're with the Holy Spirit. You're listening and so there'll be times where, we, where I think I'm going into an evening where we're going to do the actual deliverance and the Holy Spirit's like, nope, there's something else where we need to slow down and pray, process, bring to the Lord, and we won't. And you'll have peace about that. Um, deliverance is the last thing. You want to care for that person's heart. And so you want to get all the other stuff out of the suitcase and underneath all that stuff is a little dirty sock. Deal with the dirty sock after all this stuff is brought out and the Spirit's filled that. Does that make sense? I hope so. Okay. That's it. No. What is the relationship between Spirit of man, Holy Spirit, and evil spirits? I think what you're saying is like the flesh, the Holy Spirit, and evil spirits. I would say the flesh is the broken part of us that we're born 
with that Romans talks about, the nature of sin. Um, so, for example, the Bible says that we are, dead to, we are dead to God and we were made alive in Christ once the gospel comes into our lives. So think about it this way. This is going to be a weird analogy. But a kitten is dead to the realm of poetry. A kitten can't engage in poetry. So an unregenerate heart can engage in the beautiful things of God. They're still alive, but your old nature is your old sinful desires that are a part of the old self that Jesus came to make alive. Uh, The Holy Spirit is the, the new creation, God himself living and dwelling in you. And then just like your soul is a suitcase, you got the flesh in there. It's all there. It's, it's very much weakened. The Bible says you've been cruci- it's been crucified, so it's dead. It doesn't master you. The Holy Spirit's now in you so that you fight against the flesh. And then there's these inroads and access points where you can quench the spirit long enough through unconfessed sin and stuff. And in parts of your soul, an evil spirit can either a backpack, however you want to talk about it, spatial. Remember, they're, they're spirit beings. And so for me, a sexual abuse spirit came in through my family line. I didn't know it was there. I just thought it was my flesh fighting with the spirit. And Jesus was really gracious to slowly show me it was there and kick it out. I hope that helps. Next. This is really fun. How much access does Satan and demons have to our thoughts and dreams? When we face temptation in our thoughts, what is that? Great question. All these are great questions. I would say, to answer the first question, most of the access in terms of this level of warfare is access we give Satan. So when you refuse to do, remember, you're a spiritual being with a body in a spiritual world. You're always giving away access. You're either giving away access to the world and the demonic realms behind it or to God. And so on this one, it's tricky because the answer is it's both. So how much access does Satan demons have to our thoughts and dreams? As much as we give him access. So if you agree with a lie, you've given that lie access and it becomes true. Dreams is interesting. Uh, I don't have a good answer for that. I do know demons can give really bad dreams. Oftentimes, whenever it happens... God's always on the leash on the other end to show you what he wants to transform in your life. Sometimes the dreams is, is God bringing out the demons so that you can go, I think I got to get some help here. Um, what was the second part of that? Sorry, guys. Uh, when we face temptation in our thoughts, what is that? It's both. Sometimes it's the, your old nature. I think it's important, this will be controversial, but I think it's important to get to know your personality. So whether it's Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, know how you are because the more you're self-aware, the more you'll realize, oh, this temptation is common to me because my personality type is like this. And the enemy knows your personality and so he'll aggravate the flesh. So most attack that we get isn't because we have a demon. It's because of like we live in a spiritual world and there's constant temptations and lies. If we don't confess and we keep doing it, we're giving access. But if we confess to the temptation and the sin, it's covered by the blood of Jesus. So it's, the answer is as much access as you're willing to give. But most of the attacks on the outside, most people don't have demons. They don't. Okay. 
Term clarification. When you say grounds, I assume it's like legal grounds, a synonym being reason. Yes. That is correct. Am I answering that right? Yeah. That's what I mean. Okay. Are manifestations of mental illness hurting one self-depression related to demon possession? If so, uh, is medication for the person necessary? That is such a good question. And that's very complex because I'm not a medical expert. And I, my best answer, my best response, can you put the question back up? My best response would be, we are body, soul, and spirit, and every individual, um, before you medicate, just learn their story, figure out what came in, what lies they believed. A lot of this is just loving a person's heart. And so my answer is, it's some, most often I think it's both. Satan, especially in a believer's life, Satan and demons know your pain. They know your past. They know your rejection. They know your guilt. And they added voices the whole way through. And so we're body, soul, and spirit. I think we do need therapy at times. I do think we do need to use medication. I think that's helpful. And so I also think that's not the solution. We need to bring that person with the gospel to Jesus's presence and see if there's parts of their lives that he wants to heal. And as he's doing that, it wouldn't surprise me if there was a demonic spirit that linked to those negative thoughts and the mental illness, and you got to also kick it out. But I wouldn't start with this person's demon-possessed. That, that's the last, again, the, the key in this kind of ministry is the last thing at the bottom of the suitcase that you want to deal with is the rats. Let's start with the garbage. What happened? Oftentimes, traumatic events will trigger depression. Hope that helps. That's it. Great. Great questions. Any other questions here that maybe you wanted more clarification on? If not, um, we are going to open our time for prayer. So if you want to stick around and just pray with some people, we'll be here. Um, I know uh, Jenny and Lucas are gone, but I know Brandon and Janelle would love to pray with you. Um, John and I will be over here as well. Thanks for coming, everyone. You already muted me. Goodbye, YouTube. Maybe you already cut. Am I already cut off? Okay. Oh, it was your fault. Okay. Okay, love you guys. I'll be here.